next big event for bishops from across the world in Rome is the Synod for the Amazon. It is a meeting which will discuss about this region of the planet, as well as letting its voice be heard. The indigenous people in the Amazon say for the first time ecclesiastical institutions and Pope Francis, who came to visit us in the Amazon, are taking us into account. We are important for the Church. The Synod is helping them to recognize and raise their dignity. The Synod is making visible those who were invisible to society. They ask the Church to be their ally. They want the Church to recognize their right to decide and not the Church to decide for them. However, they want the Church to support them in their decisions. It means that they, the indigenous people of the Amazon, are the protagonists of their history and that others do not speak for them. They have a voice and do not want the Church to be their voice. Instead, it is about the Church giving them strength and supporting them in what they propose. One of the hallmarks of being a traditionally minded Catholic is opposing changes made to the practice or life of the faith for the sake of change. Even if excuses are offered that on the surface seem legitimate, and they always are, often enough when you live in a time of changes being offered in short order, those excuses become just that. Excuses for change. Changes made can have negative consequences for the faith, often with real consequences for the reverence given to the Mass and the Eucharist, or levels of trust in the clergy, or perhaps more importantly, the sense of what our place is in the Church's laity. The attempts to turn the Church into a more democratic organization are real, and have had catastrophic consequences for the faith. Today's news is just another attempt to further democratize the Church. To understand how a seemingly innocent attempt to make the faith more inclusive of or relatable to the laity, I'm going to start with an oversimplified but still accurate history lesson of a change made in the life of the church that every practicing Catholic will be familiar with. And then we'll talk about how that is linked directly to the news item of the day. The story of how the church in America, Europe, and well pretty much everywhere really in the Western world found itself with totally extraordinary ministers of Holy Communion, complete with the rite of purification, a joke that I have to give credit to the owner of the Susan of the Parish Council uh, various social media pages, is illustrative for those who do not oppose changes made to the life of faith, especially those changes that are often claimed to be more in line with the ancient church. The story of totally extraordinary ministers of Holy Communion or EMHCs, or as we're used to hearing them referred to, Eucharistic ministers, begins in the U.S., where bishops of the church asked for the laity to be given permission to distribute the sacred species at Mass. The Vatican issued a number of documents permitting what it thought would be a limited practice, though I say because I st it still labored under the idea that people would be submissive and obedient to the magisterial authority of the church in the post-revolutionary period of the 1970s. And yes, there may have been indications that you had this practice a little bit in some places in Europe, but a lot of this push came from the United States. The guidelines were basically that lay ministers of Holy Communion would be permitted if there were no suitable ordained persons available, if the priest was ill, or the numbers of attendees at the Mass would cause the Mass to go on for too long, whatever that means. Which do you think they jumped on? Most authorizing lines of the rule did the church leaders in America jump on. The latter, obviously, with the most liberal interpretation manageable. I've been to Masses with 20 people present, and wouldn't you know it, there was at least one so-called Eucharistic minister present. Why? Because the vague rule enabled widespread abuse, 
and I even hesitate to call it abuse, because the whole point of the revolution of the spirit of Vatican II was to overthrow the faith and replace it with a democratized caricature that had been warned against by Leo XIII and Libertas, by Gregory XVI and Mortalium Annos, by Pius X and Pascendi, by Our Lady in virtually every post-Our Lady of Guadalupe visit, as well as in other various documents warning against modernism. One hallmark of the modernists is to bring the priest and episcopate down to the level of the lady, to democratize the church, and of course, to bring the pope down to the level of the various bishops. Consequently, the clear directions of the popes in the 1960s and beyond on this issue had been generally ignored and rapidly lay, lay persons handling the sacred species became the norm for the first time in the church history, with one location being the exception as far as I know, the Vatican actually, where there are no lay ministers and where you cannot receive the Eucharist except on the tongue. Funny how the Vatican maintained the ancient practice for the most part. Why am I bringing this up? Because whenever I talk about the issue of married clergy, there's o people always get defensive, pointing out that celibacy is a discipline, not a dogma, and then the church permits Anglican so-called priests who convert and get properly ordained to remain married, as well as some Lutheran minister converts, and of course, Eastern Rite clergy can get married as well. Though what most people don't point out is if they do get married, they can never become a bishop. But there is another aspect to this. Respect for the traditions of the church. Sacred tradition is one of the legs of the faith, and frankly, clerical celibacy was required since the dawn of the church as it is practiced in the Eastern Rites now. Married priests had been permitted, but with no chance of upward mobility in the slightest. Permitting married clergy was ended nearly a thousand years ago for various legal and economic reasons, and that change has now become part of sacred tradition in a loose sense. There is no real reason to revert the practice to permitting married clergy today. There are no economic benefits to having a parish support a full family instead of one or two priests, nor is there a vocations reason, as the proposal we'll go over in a moment will only provide priests for a handful of years before they retire. So what's the motivation? The same as for every change since the Council. Change is made for their own sake. Change for the sake of the revolution. Change for the sake of breaking the Church from its pre-Vatican II past. Change for the sake of finishing off the traditional Catholic faith. I know that sounds provocative. As we look at the news that came out Monday, recall that Pope Francis has said that the traditions of the Church can and should be rejected. That those who cling to the traditions of the Church cling to so many ashes of a dead faith. He's the one who said that, not I. If you haven't heard about that, I did a video on it in the last couple of weeks. You can go find it pretty easily. On to the story of the day. The New York Times headline captures it perfectly. Vatican opens door to the limited ordination of married men as priests. Now, a bit of a fair warning. If the New York Times is speaking positively about something, you should proceed with extreme caution. The Times hasn't got a history of being very Catholic-friendly, or truth-friendly either, frankly. So, the story. The Amazon Synod will examine seriously the possibility of ordaining married elderly men into the priesthood to meet the so-called pastoral needs of Catholics and indigenous people in the remote areas of the Amazon. I'm going to quote verbatim a short paragraph from the New York Times piece. Quote, While affirming that celibacy is a gift for the church, the Vatican notes that there have been requests to consider, for the most remote areas of the Amazon, the possibility of conferring priestly ordination on elderly men, preferably indigenous, respected and accepted members of their community. Such men, the document said, could be ordained even if they already have an established and stable family. End quote. Now let's rewrite that paragraph to cover extraordinary ministers of Holy Communion. 
While affirming that the role of the priest is essential to the church, the Vatican document notes that there have been requests to consider for overpopulated parishes in America, the possibility of virtuous lay people who are respected and accepted members of their community to distribute Holy Communion at the Mass under rare circumstances. Such people, the document said, could handle the sacred species even if they have never been rece have received the Sacrament of Holy Orders. Again, I reworded that New York Times paragraph to illustrate my point, which is this. What will be the exception to the rule which will quickly spread and become indistinguishable from the rule itself? Meaning that you're going to be hard-pressed to find a Novus Ordo parish that does not have these kind of priests in that same way that we have lay ministers of communion. It did not take long for that abuse to spread across the church, and it won't take long for married priests to become the norm, and for no good reason either. Some say that married priests will combat the sexual abuse problem, to which I always ask, why do you think that marriage cures rape? Francis has signaled that he is, of course, open to this supposedly limited change in the discipline, and even reiterated that the church was committed to celibate priests as the norm. If he's speaking straight and honestly on this, then good. It's good to see him upholding orthodoxy in his speech for once. In practice, it's usually different, though. As the New York Times piece points out, the church sees South America as one of the future centers of the faith. Though church officials who believe that have largely ignored the inroads that Pentecostals and other Protestant missionaries have made in leading the laity out of the Christian faith into their own weird traditions of men. But South America will remain gravely important to the future of the church for the foreseeable future, and the presence of married men in the priesthood will become normal in the eyes of many. And that is what the revolutionaries are banking on. There is widespread support among the modernists, both in the laity and in the hierarchy, for ending priestly celibacy, and this definitely cracks the door open to that change. If you think I'm speaking hyperbolically about revolution and modernism, think again. They admit this themselves. The Times piece quotes Father Giuseppe Buffon, a professor of church history at the Pontifical Autonomium University in Rome. Father Buffon said, and I quote, The revolution for Francis is to give importance to the local populations and their cultures. He is thinking locally. End quote. They admit that what we're seeing in the church today is a revolution. This is just one of the next logical steps in that causal chain of revolutionary change. And the excuse is disturbing in the case for how broad it is. The extreme shortage of priests that leave many communities without the Eucharist for long periods of time. How many of you in Novus Ordo parishes have a priest who says the Mass and hears confessions at several parishes in a single weekend? I have a friend on the east coast of the U.S. whose parish priest runs five parishes, says seven masses from Saturday evening to Sunday evening, as well as hearing confessions, and is generally spread thin to the point of having his health harmed by being overworked. The U.S. is ripe for instituting this change, because quite often, breaks from a rule of tradition in one region can be done in other places in the world if they meet the same requirements. That's one way that lay ministers of Holy Communion became commonplace, even to the point where the laity transport the sacred species and bring it to the infirm for their viaticum. This is a practice that had never been seen before in the history of the church, but it's common now because the rule was written in such a way that could be exploited all over the Western world. The same will be true of older married men becoming priests because they are perceived to be of good character. Seminaries in the U.S. already have programs for accelerating the training of older men into the priesthood so that they can only spend two to three years in some places in seminary before being ordained into the priesthood. They're typically given special ministries as well to reflect that uh, special training and short amount of time in seminary that they've had. My point is that the foundation is already laid for the revolutionaries to continue their evil work of democratizing the church, and it won't end there. Remember the other ordination project the modernists have been pushing, 
deaconesses, which, like with married clergy, they will point to early practices of the church and misrepresent them, or like how in the early church there may have been some examples of laity handling Holy Communion. Think about the effect of this going forward and how one change always opens the door for the next level of change in a causal chain. This is why Catholics who cling to the traditions of the church must object to this and must hold their bishops accountable using any means that we have to do so that is in keeping with the faith and with the practice of being a good Catholic. The revolution must be stopped, and it will be stopped, if we want it enough. Do we want the revolution to stop enough? Or will we continue to compromise with the revolutionaries and become complicit in the practice? Give the modernists no quarter. All they peddle is destruction. Thanks for listening and for your support. If you want to support this channel, you can find links to Subscribestar and Patreon in the links of this video, whereas for as little as a dollar a month, you can help make this channel sustainable. Either way, play, pray for the continued liberation and cleansing of the church from the modernists. I'm Anthony Stein, Ave Maria.